Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about the doctrine of healing. The doctrine of healing. Many of us use the word heal or healing in our everyday lives. Uh, Some of us have seen accounts of miraculous healing on television. Uh, Many of us have been recipients of God directly healing us or using someone else to heal us. And oftentimes when we think about healing, uh, many of us think of a a grand event, um, uh, leprosy going away and uh, eyes being restored and uh, the lame being touched to walk. And God can do all of those things. And he does. And I personally believe that God is still capable of physically healing whoever he he desires to heal. But I think it's also important that we get a healthy view and perspective on what healing is versus what healing is not. Uh, Sometimes I hear uh, people say things that are not substantiated by Scripture. Uh, God does indeed heal physically, but my argument for this episode is that there are more than one type of healing in the Bible. The Bible talks about more than just physical healing. God can heal, as I said previously. But the question is, does God heal all people physically? And we're going to answer that in this episode. And when does God heal? How does God heal? Uh, These are teachings that all of us uh, must have a clear understanding of as it relates to the scriptures, not based on my personal subjective experience, but rather what does the scripture say without twisting or perverting the passages? The doctrine of healing. Now, we know that the Bible explicitly teaches us that God indeed heals. When we talk about this type of healing, many of us, as I stated previously, automatically think we're talking about physical healing. This providential ability by God to directly or indirectly physically heal someone falls under the category of miracles. And I said this previously on many shows, and I say this during my workshops and uh, in local groups. Miracles are not intended for entertainment, nor does God perform miracles for capricious motives. Miracles are performed by God for two reasons. Miracles are done by God. Number one, to confirm his message, 
and two, to confirm the messenger. So number one, to confirm his message and two, to confirm the messenger. And when you look at the narrative of Moses, as an example, in Exodus uh, chapter three, we learn some things about the calling of Moses. God was going to use a miracle for Moses to perform. Number one, to confirm him as the messenger of Jehovah. So Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? God responds, you tell them that I am, that I am sent you. And so Moses uh, gets his identity when he gets to Egypt based on his relationship with the messenger who is God. So God was going to use miracles through uh, Moses by the way of Aaron as the spokesman to perform certain miracles. And that was to authenticate him as a messenger of Jehovah. Number two, not only would Moses be confirmed through the miracles as the messenger of Jehovah, uh, the words that he speak was not coming from him, but he was basically regurgitating the words that God had given him to say, let my people go. So in this case, uh, miracles uh, are elaborated upon in terms of Moses being confirmed as um, the messenger. And number two, God confirming his message. So miracles, again, are performed by God for two reasons, to authenticate the messenger and to authenticate the message. Now, physical healing falls under the realm of miracles. It is clear to us that the Bible shows that that God can heal. Let me repeat that again. The Bible shows us that God can indeed heal physically. Let's look at a story in Genesis 20 verses one through 18. And many of us are familiar with it is dealing with an incident between father Abraham and Abimelech. It says now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negevand and he lived between Kadesh and Shur for a while. He stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech and in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, Will you destroy an innocent uh, nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience as well as the clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. And so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. 
and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. That's a heavy statement. Verse eight. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Then Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father through not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me everywhere we go. Say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you. Live where you will like. To Sarah, he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you. Before all who are with you, you are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female slaves, so they could have children again. But the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. God's plan would not be stopped. And because Abraham gave in to his natural propensities, he was disrupting the movement of God's providence in his life. God had a plan. And Abraham, when he chose to conspire with his wife to not tell Abimelech the truth, was causing issues in the timeline of God doing what he needed to do through Abraham. He's going to be the father of many nations. So without Abimelech knowing that Sarah is Abraham's wife and God is going to, uh, through their relationship, God is going to build a nation Things would have been disrupted, but God is not going to allow anyone, anything to disrupt his plans. So he had to divinely intercede on behalf of Abraham so that this man Abimelech would not touch his wife, Sarah. But the key here is when God went to Abimelech, he told him and reassured him that Abraham would pray for him. After he returned his wife. So once he returned Sarah to Abraham, Abraham prayed for Abimelech. And Abimelech, I'm not sure if he was fully aware of why the women in his uh, council, in his group, in his uh, entourage w- were not conceiving, but. It was because of God. God shut up their womb because of the art that was at hand. He had taken Abraham's wife and that wasn't in God's plan. So as a result, God shut the womb of the women uh, in his 
uh, palace uh, and, and in his surroundings. So once Abraham prayed for him, God divinely, physically healed the womb of the women in Abimelech's compa- uh, companionship. So again, it's proof that God can heal physically. Then there's the incident in Numbers 21, verses 1 through 8, the bronze snake. And it reads, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned and we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Again, this is a miraculous event performed by God through Moses that someone could be physically healed. That's the second uh, evidence of God healing physically. This is not, of course, all of the accounts of God physically healing in the Old Testament. This, This is only a second sample. My point is just to demonstrate that God does heal physically. And not only is he healed physically in the Old and New Testament, God is still able to heal. And even if you don't believe uh, that God heals physically, which I'm not sure why you believe that, we know that God does heal in other ways, in which we'll address in a few minutes. So long as the people look at the snake, they were healed. Then the Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. First Kings 17 verses 7 through 24. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sinan and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering uh, sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in the jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. That was for me to eat and die, that we may eat and die. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me, what you what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. But the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken, spoken by Elijah. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. 
He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her to die, her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word from the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Verse 24 is very essential. Again, this woman basically defines what a miracle is. She says the miracle made her believe and understand that he was indeed a person from God. And number two, that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. So she believed the message. So again, miracles authenticate God's messenger as well as the message. She says, now I know that you are a man of God, number one, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Then Matthew 9, verses 4 through 8, we learn that Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the mat, then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Again, miracles are performed by God to authenticate the messenger, who in this case is Jesus the Christ, as well as his message, the words that he said. It's important for all Christians to fully understand the scope of God's healing. So in other words, what does the Bible tell us about the following questions? When does God heal? And is there only one type of healing? Number one, when does God heal? Physical healing ultimately belongs to God. It is at his divine discretion whether or not to physically heal someone. The question of when God heals or the time associated with healing is only known by God. It's up to him. He decides uh, the when. Number two, is there only one type of healing? The answer is no. When we read the scripture, it is clear that passages dealing with healing can be physical, spiritual, as well as metaphorical. The word healing is oftentimes used in an analogous way in various Bible passages. The analogy often portrays a spiritual dimension. The Bible also used the word heal in a metaphorical sense. So in other words, some biblical passages use the word heal to solicit comparison. In the same way that God heals an ailment and make whole the human body, he, the creator, can make whole something in nature that has been broken. So, for example, 2 Kings 2 and 22, so the waters were healed. Hosea 14 and 4, I will heal their backsliding. As well as Psalm 16 and 2, thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it, healed the breaches thereof. And in a spiritual dimension, we can read Jeremiah 3 and 22, 
return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Who does God heal? Does God promise to physically heal all people? The answer is no. God does not promise to physically heal all people, but he does promise and offer everyone spiritual healing. So if you want to be healed, the first thing I would encourage you to do is, first of all, ask for spiritual healing. The healing that comes through the blood that was shed on the cross. God offers all of humanity spiritual healing for those who would accept the son. Scripture tells us if you want to see the father, you have to first go by the son. So if you have a physical ailment and you pray for God to deliver you, just keep in mind that God can. But if he decides not to physically heal you at this moment, it's his prerogative. God knows better than us why he's allowing us to endure the physical pain. But the physical pain doesn't mean that you've sinned necessarily. Physical pain doesn't mean that you've transgressed against God necessarily. What it does mean is that God sees what you're going through. God understands what you're going through. But God is giving us a measure of grace to endure. We don't have to become bitter if we're going through physical ailment or challenges. God does heal. But he prefers that we first know him intimately, which is spiritual healing. And if we know him intimately, then we must come to full understanding that he allows some of us to endure physical challenges. And he'll give us a measure of grace to deal with the challenges that we're going through. We pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. Please continue to do for the truth what others do for a lie. And we always encourage you to pray for us as we continue training Christians in sound doctrine. And please, uh, if the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, please donate towards Sound Reasoning Ministries and Sound Reasoning Radio Show that we may continue to broadcast the healthy teaching of God's word. Continue to be faithful inside your, inside your church. Continue to be faithful to your pastors. Continue to evangelize and disciple as the scripture has commanded us to do. We pray that this show again has been a blessing. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Our world can feel chaotic, 
and uncertain. But we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.